0: Hey, y'all. Seth Bradley here. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your valuable time learning with us. Absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. I've got a small ask. If you'd please just take a few seconds and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from, it goes a long way in landing the best new guests for our show. That's it. Thanks again. Let's go. Today, we have Dr. Gigi Carminati Esquire, a legal project manager and e-discovery attorney. She's a certified legal project manager and a litigator with over a decade of experience, which she uses to bring practical solutions to law firms. She's gonna share her story about burnout, how she overcame that, and came up with the incredible idea called the livable law method. She's also an author of a book, with the same title. All right, folks, let's jump right in.
1: This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley.
0: Gigi, how's it going? Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm great and I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Happy to have you on. Happy to have you on. Um, Let's just dive right in. What's your story? Take it back as far as you like and feel free to brag a little bit.
2: Okay. So I was a litigator for over a decade. And I went from a big firm to a plaintiff's boutique, to my own law firm, back to a law firm where I was doing civil rights work, and now to this. Um, I have four kids. Uh, I had the first one in law school, so I was never not a working mom. Um, I'm licensed in California, Colorado, New York, Texas, and DC. I am a recovering workaholic. And I have spent years brutalizing myself to grow my career. And then I burnt out not once, but twice. And from those burnouts, from those challenges, I developed the livable law method.
0: Love it. Love it. So I'm certainly, you know, on the same page with you. I worked in big law as well. Um, Tell me about, tell me about working in big law, what you loved about it, what you hated about it.
2: You know, actually big law was not the worst for me. Um, It really wasn't. I mean, I, it, it was really, really early in my career. The great things about being in a big firm were the lifestyle. I mean, nothing beats it. It's amazing. Um, There was also the fact that I got to do really challenging, cutting edge, incredible work. I was working on cases that were making headlines that everyone was talking about and that was just fulfilling right i mean it's just satisfying to feel like you're working on something that really matters i got to have access to amazing resources like legal assistance and paralegals and staff and a copying room and all these things that do make life easier they do make things better and then i got to um, i got to really work on complex issues of law things that are very challenging very demanding and that was those are all the pros it was wonderful Um, I think the cons for me were the lack of formal training, the lack of support when you're a junior associate and uh, not really understanding where I fit in or or how, how, you know, how to work with everyone else. I think one of the challenges was that I was in a small office of a huge, huge law firm and I was the only junior associate. I was the only first year for like, I think a year, year and a half was really hard it was very lonely um and then uh so i and i think the the training model was a little brutal um the feedback was a little delivered in a sense the feedback was a little rough but there wasn't a lot of training to make things happen and i just eventually lucked out i found this amazing senior associate who took me under his wing and taught me everything i know and taught me And he made me the lawyer I am today. And like, I would not have had a successful career without him. So, you know, that was the pro that I found this gem, but it was because everything else was kind of challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us can relate to all those things that you just talked about. I mean, you love, you know, you love the money, the lifestyle, the things that go along. Working at a big law firm, the prestige that goes along with it, um, just being able to say that I work for X law firm and people are impressed. Um, but then, you know, there are those trade-offs, And, you know, you mentioned some of the, the intricacies of working in a, a smaller office of a big firm and that, that can bring up even more challenges, um, especially mm-hmm. as, a, as a young associate. What, what did that transition look like for you going from big law to a boutique and then boutique to your own firm? I mean, did you have kind of an epiphany and you're like, I've had it or like what, what happened there?
2: so interestingly and looking back i made i made many wrong decisions and in in fact what i you know it actually helps me now because i teach things and i talk about experience because i have fallen flat on my face and i've made the wrong decision so many times and you learn from that but it's really painful when you're learning it on your own skin so what happened at the big firm was that actually Um, there was no longer enough work for my particular group. and, um, and, And there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a bad thing. It happens. But I actually got depressed because I wasn't working. And I, looking back, I should have just wrote it out and kept collecting my paycheck and been okay. But I was so worried that I was gonna stall because I was right at that point in my career where you're fifth year where either you be, you know it's like you're, you become the butterfly, like you get out of your little cocoon and you become the real lawyer that you're supposed to be, or you kind of stall. And I was so terrified of stalling that I left. and then lo and behold, 10 weeks later, uh, the section got shut down and people got severances that I did not <laughs> get) <laughs> Uh, so I left and I went to a small boutique and the boutique loved a lot of things about me. It loved the fact that I was high energy. It loved the fact that I get things done no matter what, no matter how I, I shoot from the hip. I'm a bit of a cowboy. Like, you know, I just roll with the punches. I have the ability to process huge amounts of information. And so that they loved, but the, there was zero sense of the fact that human beings have bandwidth. Like if if I could have worked 24/7 365, they would have taken it regardless of the cost to my health. And so that was that was the epiphany actually when I got to the end of those two years and I'm like first of all, I made a calculation and, and and I talk about this with law students. I'm like, you understand that the more hours you work, the less money you're effectively making per hour, right? Like that's the, that's the equation because your salary is what it is. And it was, and I was like, wait a minute. So I started doing the math. I'm like, I'm working for X dollars an hour for this amount of stress and this amount of heartache and this amount of like And I talk about it, I I get pretty graphic about the things I was doing to try to keep up. And that's the thing. At the end of those two years, I was like, epiphany, I'm out. I left with one client, (laughs) (laughs) one big retainer, one client who basically saw me through the next year. And then I started my own law firm. And that was the first time that I started feeling like, wait a minute, maybe I can redesign the practice of law. Maybe I can make things livable. And, but it took like six more years before I actually came up with a method.
0: Gotcha. You gotcha. Yeah. That, that story about what you, what, when you talk to law students, reminds me of that meme where they say like, did you know, big law associates make less per hour than McDonald's managers or something like that? Yeah. I mean,
2: <laughs>
0: Just remind Yeah. Me. If
2: you start doing the math, I was yeah. like, what? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I build a hundred hours one week.
0: Yeah. And you just, and you wear it like a badge of honor too, right? Like you you do the bone. And at the same time, you're like proud of it. And it's just so backwards from the way that it should be and the way that real life works. It's, it's insane how you get caught up in that life.
2: You do hold it. You do hold it as a badge of honor until it nearly kills you. And that's what happened to me. Like, and then I, and then I left and it was, I think probably a year after I left that I realized, Oh, I burned out. Like I, I was done. I was toast and it took probably two years to recover the first time, but I wore it as a badge of honor until, yeah, I realized it was hurting me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what actually compelled you to develop the livable law method? And we'll dive into what that is and and write a book about it.
2: Yeah. So the the moving force was I know why the law is unlivable and I know how to fix it that was really the moment that I thought oh I I have to talk about this I wrote the book so I could share not only what I know but also what I've experienced and I wanted other lawyers struggling with the toxicity of our profession and the way that expresses itself through depression anxiety Some lawyers have suicidal ideations. There was a a survey that came out of New York that 11% of attorneys had had suicidal ideations over the course of their career. And I was looking at all this and I wanted to tell lawyers who are dealing with this, you are not alone, you are not the problem and you can change the practice of law so that it is more livable. And then I got even more fired up when you know i was fumbling in the dark for a long time and then i found legal project management which is the basis of the livable law method and then i realized not only do i know why the law is unlivable but i know why women leave the law and i know how to fix that and that was that was really a turning point i thought oh my goodness we can we there's this aba report that came out that said law schools have been just as good at producing women attorneys and especially women of color attorneys as law firms have been good at shedding them. I mean, that's pretty damning, you know? And I thought if we could change that, if I could not only reduce burnout, but reduce attrition, especially among women, that that would be game changing. I mean, that would change everything for everyone. And so that's why I wrote the book, because I wanted to get that message out.
0: Love it. Love it. So in a nutshell, what is the livable law method? I know you have some principles, but in a nutshell, let's start out with that.
2: So the livable law method is both a philosophy and a system of project management practices and procedures. And when you put those together, the point is to make the practice of law more livable. In a nutshell, what the livable law method does is that it evens out the workload. So you're not constantly working on a boom bust model going up against deadlines and in a constant state of stress. And it also increases the transparency of work assignments and assign attribution of credit within law firms, which is one of the reasons that there's attrition among women. And so that's really what it is in a nutshell.
0: Awesome. So do you work just with individuals or do you work with law firms so that they can implement some of these strategies?
2: I absolutely work with law firms. Uh, I've mainly worked with woman-owned and mass plaintiffs, mass torts, uh, MDL, you know, high-volume plaintiffs firms. And but I also work with small firms that are looking to grow, and I want to make that growth healthy and don't want to end up, you know, either overgrowing and then collapsing onto themselves, which I, I did. So I know firsthand what that looks like. Um, and really helping them scale up in a way that is methodical and that they have uh, techniques in place. And the livable law method is basically patterned on agile project management. But I overlay it with some strong ethos and philosophical points, you know, and guidelines.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, let's dive into those. I I think there are 10 principles, if I'm not wrong, not right.
2: That's right. So there are 10 principles, and they are an expression of, the livable law method philosophy. They guide, drive, and are guardrails um, for the project management techniques. And they're also reminders of reality because often we lose track of, w- of what we're doing and we lose track of why we're doing this. So, you know, the first one is people are not widgets. And I really, truly feel that, like in my core, that we have to remind ourselves, you know, people are not widgets. And the last one is burnout is forever, because you can recover from burnout, but it leaves you with some frailties and some fragilities that never really go away. And so the best thing would be to avoid them. And then within those principles, I know you've picked one that one you like, and we can talk about it. Uh, but I have others like the work week is finite, like reminding people work week is finite, and once you understand the techniques and the, the like how it's implemented it makes sense so for example the livable law method has three pillars management of tasks management of time and management of things and then i help people look at those pillars and within those pillars identify their pain points because you can't name it you can't fix it until you name it and so that, you know that's part of the thing and then the other big driving force is decoupling The management of a case and the management of a team. You know, this in law firms, those two things get collapsed into one, but they're not one. And we can talk more about it, but they have different drivers. And so, one of my principles is you serve the client, but you protect your team. So, you know, and so that's how you can always go back to the principles and be like, oh, this is why we're doing this, this is why we're implementing this technique.
0: Attorneys, doctors, passive income seekers, I'm talking to you. I remember investing in my first passive real estate deal, the anxiety, the uncertainty of what I didn't know and what I had never done before. It was a lot of money being wired to someone I barely knew. Now it all worked out, but that's not always the case. I would have never invested in that same deal today now that I have the knowledge and the confidence to know how to invest intelligently. And now with a combination of uncertainty and a flood of newbie sponsors in the market, how do you find the true experts that will perform and make your investment successful? For those of you out there looking to learn how to invest passively in syndications, we've been behind the scenes working on something very special. You don't have time to go through a six month course or to try to make a program designed for deal sponsors work for you. You wanna be a passive investor, focus on your career and your family, but add cash flowing appreciating commercial real estate investments to your portfolio. So you can practice when you want to and not because you have to. We've built a powerful passive investor program designed to teach you everything you need to know, but nothing that you don't. It's a four week program, but if you really wanna make moves, it can be completed in just a few days with ongoing support as you make your investment decisions. Passive Income Pro is enrolling now with a very limited number of seats for each cohort, so you can get the hands-on attention that you need. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to learn more. Yeah, love that, love that. Yeah, sometimes we get lost in, or I felt that way, that, you know, the client is first, the client is first. You have to keep the client uh, to make the money, to be able to pay, the employees, but at the same time, you, your team is important too, and the people that you work with. And sometimes that falls apart. I've seen it fall apart many times where where teams just don't get along. You know, you resent each other and, and that whole dynamic just falls apart. And I think that's where a lot of the unhappiness comes from in these big law firms, because it comes all, it becomes all about the client and the money and nothing else.
2: Right. So one big change, one way that what I do is very different from other project management work is that project management is very often centered around better delivery of services, better delivery of work to the client. And my approach is, no, no, we're going to take a step back from that because that's what the product owner, that is, you know, in agile speak, that is what the lead partner or lead attorney wants to think about. And that's fine. But what we're going to talk about is better, better health, better mental health, better attribution of credit, more balanced workflow within the team that is what I focus on because you have to protect your team because otherwise we see what we see now which is burnout attrition people leave law firms and we're pumping out all these brilliant women attorneys and they're leaving and I I know I want to stop that and I would have been one of those people because I for years I tried to leave the law and it wouldn't let me
0: (laughs) and and ultimately if it it costs the law firm money too if you have yes. all this attrition, you have burnout, you have attrition, it costs them a ton of money yes. um, to get somebody new in there to fully train them and, and go through that again. And by the time they're trained, they're, they're burnout again and <laughs> start over.
2: Yeah. Turnover is hugely wasteful. So we should be avoiding that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, let's just pick out a couple of your favorite principles you think are the most important ones and, and kind of dig into those.
2: Well, I'm going to pick the one you talked to me about, <laughs> which is boundaries, not balance.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. So,
2: I wrote, a, I wrote a blog article about that um, on my, so I have a blog called geeklikeagirl.net. Uh, and I talk about the fact that for many years I was sold this bill of goods about balancing work with life. And one big realization, right? There's lots of these little aha moments is, why am I balancing them? They are in no way as important as each other. Like my life is my life, like, it work is part of it but they're not two equal parts of my <laughs> life right and so I thought you know what we need boundaries I don't want balance I want boundaries and I started implementing those and that was huge like I don't I know this is gonna I mean people are gonna think you're I'm a heretic but I don't check my email after five thirty. like I'm done I will see you at 8 30 in the morning Like, if you you have an emergency, proceed to your nearest emergency room. (laughs) Like, it's not my job, right? So that's kind of the thing. Boundaries not balanced. When I get calls when I'm on vacation, you are going straight to voicemail. Like, I am not working um, because I get paid for my labor. You don't pay me for my life. You pay me for my labor. And there are hours within which I give you my labor. I sell you my labor. Don't give it. So that one was a huge one, like boundaries not balanced to me was a huge one. The work week is finite, is a really challenging one for managing attorneys, super challenging. Um, And uh, another one that I like to talk about is uh, legal tech without a plan is not a solution. So sometimes there's this idea that legal tech is a panacea and it will solve problems. You can just buy a new piece of software. But if you don't have a plan to implement it, if you don't have a plan for how your staff is going to use it that is standardized, then you're going nowhere. Last week I was in New York and an attorney, she's a woman attorney who owns a law firm. She said, oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm about to hire someone, but I use X, she uses a a certain suite. And so it's fine. And I'm like, well, okay. I was like, well, okay, but um, you still may want project management. Like, well, no, because I have this software. I'm like, yes, but not everybody uses software in the same way. So when you hire someone, they have to use it the same way you use it. And you're assuming that they do and they don't. And then it started clicking. You could see like, oh, I'm like, yeah, you need rules and regulations about how this software is going to be used because you need a plan. Otherwise, you're just wasting your money. So that one is one that I, I have to talk to, you know, law firm owners. I'm like, well, I have this software. I'm like, great, but how are you using it? And then it's like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. am like, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. And not back to the boundaries, not balance. I love that, you know, life versus work. They're not equals. I don't think I've, I've heard anyone say that or put it that way. But when you think about it, you're like, yeah, like you think about balance, like, oh, you've got work and you've got to balance it with life. It's like, why are those two things <laughs> equals? They're not, they're, they're not at all. So I
2: agree. <laughs> they're not at all. They're not at all. I mean, things that are equal are eating, drinking, sleep, Those are equal with each other, but work and life. No, not at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I love the boundaries part too, because it's like, you know, if if you try to keep that equilibrium, whatever, you know, you're balancing, it's hard to do that. And you can't give your full self to either side of that balance beam. You've got to be all in for whatever you're focused on at the time, and then run back over the other side of the fulcrum and focus on that. So that I, I think that's really important to distinguish that.
2: Absolutely. Being present is a huge part of being able to recharge. If you can't fully be present in moments, that's actually part of what exhausts us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some of the biggest pain points you're seeing from your clients? You know, when they have all these issues that come up, what, what are some of those issues and you know what what are some of the principles that you apply to those those issues to solve the problems?
2: So a lot of pain points, they're actually very similar. Of pain, the way it's the way they express them, right? One of them is that they're being pulled in a million directions at once, right? Um, and that means that their attention is needed everywhere, all the time, in all ways. So that's a huge pain point. Another one is a lack of situational awareness, which creates stress because they're not sure if work is being done or how it's being done or how it's being delivered. And that's a huge pain point because it creates this. This background noise of stress that is basically, you know, exhausting. It's just exhausting for the mind. Um, I think another one is um, when the, the fact that in law firms, we are very disorganized in the way we assign and track tasks. That's a big one. So tasks get assigned, you you know this, in emails, like somebody just sends you an email. And so you can have 10 people send you 20 emails, all with tasks with, which may or may not have deadlines, which may or may not have a timeline of how long you're supposed to do. And none of them take into consideration that the work week is finite <laughs> because, you know, it is. Yeah. So that is that is a big pain point. So taming, so that goes immediately to management of tasks. Do we have a centralized task management system? How is it updated? Are you communicating through your task management system? So that's a big one. The other one is um, being pulled in a million directions is when there's not, where you don't have systems in place. Because if you had systems in place, then you would know, you would have a, a peace of mind. you be like, oh, no, no, that I can park that idea because things are progressing along, along the process. And I know how that process works and I know it's happening. And then a big one, frankly, is the fact that law firms, we go from deadline to deadline. And I mean, can you imagine, like, we're just careening into those deadlines, like 11:59 <laughs> p.m. filings. And so one big thing that I hammer on is internal deadlines. And the internal deadline is a hard, hard deadline. And it is five days out from your actual external deadline. And that, but it has to be real it's not a soft deadline, your work has to be done. And when I started implementing that, I worked uh, with one firm, there was over 120 cases, huge cases. When I started implementing that, I saw stress levels, like immediate. you could feel it, like immediately stress levels went down because you know what filing day looks like? Filing day is a 30 minute situation because everything's already done. It's literally upload, 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 click, submit, we're done. And so, you know, those are kind of the, those are the pain points that I identify and that's how I address
0: them. Love that, love that. Yeah, I'm just thinking back back to working at big law firms and all that. You know, it's just the, it's the timing and the pressure, right? There's there's the unknown of when this is due, who it's due to, you know, how many different bosses you have that are giving you all these different things to pass mm-hmm. to accomplish. It, it's the time crunch and the, the finite work week that, that puts the stressor on everything.
2: Absolutely. And it's, uh, and the more, I wrote this book, The more I work the law firms, the less I understand why we are still working like this. because every other industry, most I'm not say every, most other industries use project management techniques. and it is baffling to me that we are handling people's lives, assets, well-being and multi-million, multi-billion dollar processes, and we don't have basic project management skills and, and, and techniques in place.
0: Yeah. Why why do you think that is? I mean, I know that the legal profession is just slow moving in general and hard to adopt new things and technology and everything. It's just very slow moving, kind of like the real estate world. It's very slow moving as well. People are very reluctant to to adopt new policies and procedures. Why why do you think the legal field is like that? So
2: I will tell you, um, there is actually, there's, um, uh, it's a, Mr. Richard, he wrote an article called Herding Cats, the Lawyer Personality Reveal. and it's a really old article, but basically he used the Calico profile to look at what lawyers behave like, and it's basically because lawyers are lawyers. So, <laughs> And it, it, there's a nurture versus nature debate there, but the fact is that certainly it attracts certain type of people, and then it reinforces those aspects of lawyers, but there, there's a number of them. So the first one would be that lawyers are, have very low resiliency in the sense that we are pretty thin skinned, we hate feedback and we get super offended and super hurt when people tell us to do things differently. And it's funny because we are such loud, like, you know, loud mouth abrasive kind of humans, but then we turn out to be like really like sensitive about our feelings. So that's one thing because legal project management requires somebody saying, you got to stop doing that. You got to do that like that. You got to do it this way or, or, you are not managing your case correctly this is how it needs to be done and to get, get offended also we are highly autonomous highly independent people as a whole we don't like to be told what to do we don't like to be managed really and so the idea that we have to do management is kind of antithetical to who we are we're also apparently this was really funny we're <laughs> super low on the socialization scale <laughs> like we are not the most sociable people and like we were below average and then you take out the rainmakers and that number plummets even lower right um so we're like not sociable and you know what project management requires teamwork communication working as a group uh t- telling each other when you're stuck when you're having issues when you need help and that's not our forte. like it's not our thing um so You know, I think all of those things are factors in the fact that we don't really like to do this. And then honestly, there's also, I talk about this, there's this like, we're egomaniacs. I mean, we really are. We leave law school. Nobody teaches us how to manage anything, but somehow we know how to manage. We not only do we know how to manage a case, we also know how to manage people. Things that take whole courses to learn, we are anointed with that knowledge with the JD. And and so, you know, that's kind of part of the issue. Like, we think we know more than we do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It almost sounds like a little bit of a pride thing. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And I can certainly attest to people being, you know, I, we're just not, we, we want to be autonomous. We're almost in our own silos. So whenever you try to give us a new idea um, or, or try to, even when you come from a helpful nature, sometimes it, it comes off as, you know, you're, you're attacking me in a way that I don't appreciate. And you're actually trying to help.
2: Yeah. I think also part of it, you know, we all kind of go through this, crucible when we're starting out where you you really really acutely have to trust yourself and you have to basically generate I think a slightly overinflated sense of confidence but you need it because you're going out there into the world doing really important things and so and there's no space for meekness but the thing is that if you do that for long enough honestly actually I'll take that back if you do that for any amount of time then you start telling yourself well I do it this way and this is the best way to do it because I do it this way but that's not really (laughs) true it's just this is the way you figured out how to do it and you are trained to be confident because uh, you know a lawyer who lacks confidence is kind of dead in the water
0: right right Juji, before we jump into the freedom four do you have one last golden nugget for our listeners
2: yes um I really, this really, th- th- really, really set in. So l- last year in October, I nearly died. So I had a massive bilateral pulmonary embolism, okay. which is a fancy way of saying basically like half my lungs caught it up and I nearly died really, truly. And, um, I was, I was in, an, in another city for work and I asked to leave the hospital because I had to do depositions the next day. Um, and I I really thought, and I wasn't scared. It wasn't like a scary moment, but I thought I was going to die. I I really, I looked out, I was outside Morton's in DC and I was on the sidewalk and I was walking and I thought, I think I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And it really brought home that, and I want these people to really hear this. You are not indispensable to the people who pay you. You are indispensable to the people who love you. And that was really important for me to relearn the hard way. Like I was not indispensable to my employer because I adore them and they were wonderful, but they would have replaced me. It wouldn't have been like life-changing really, but my kids would never have recovered. Um, And, you know, my husband, I mean, eventually he could start dating again, I guess. So cool for him, but, (laughs) you know, I made that joke. But when he hears me, he gets so angry at me. Like he gets (laughs) furious. He's like, how could you even say that? (laughs) But anyway, but you know, joking aside, it would have been devastating for the people who love me and it would have been fine for my employer. And yet we, we invert those relationships and those priorities far too often in
0: our lives. Yeah. Gosh, thank you for sharing that story. That's, that's one of those, uh, that's one of those aha moments right there. I mean, you're you're laying in the hospital, dying, and all you're thinking about is I have a deposition that I need to get to. It's, that's that's <laughs> that's that's one of those times where you've got to think about yep. it and think about life and, and reprioritize and, and really just kind of reflect on on where your where your priorities are. Yep. All right. Let's Absolutely. Jump into, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy?
2: I stay engaged in learning and semi-professional activities that have nothing to do with the law. And so in my case, I'm currently taking uh, college classes in molecular, cellular, and developmental biology, and I teach scuba diving.
0: Wow, that, that's diverse right there. Love it, yeah. well, love it. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? That
2: having a career was the same thing as being successful. Uh, I went into a big law firm thinking that success was going to be becoming a partner at a big firm. And that's absolutely not true. That that is absolutely not true. Um, Events and circumstances took me away from it. Um, And it took me away from what I would have viewed as a career. And at first I fought that and I thought it was something that made me a failure and I regretted it. And then I realized that it freed me because it freed me to have multiple income streams. It freed me to create my own law firm with my own idea of what worked and what didn't. And then it allowed me to run multiple projects, jobs, endeavors, side gigs gigs at the same time. And it has allowed me to reach huge richness in my life and also become very financially stable without being tied to a single employer. And that was hugely, hugely revolutionary for me.
0: Love that, love that. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom?
2: The first thing is buy my book <laughs> <laughs> because it's twenty it, dollars. You it. should buy my book. <laughs> and then, other than that, and I really mean it, um, this this one was a big one. And I said it before. Me say again: do not check work email. Do not answer phone calls after a certain time in the day and before a certain time in the day you are not indispensable to those people. You have to have a life. And I think the actionable step right now people should do, it's hugely freeing, is find time where you have nothing to do. And I mean like nothing. Um, I take my kids to the park and I sit on the bench and I listen to music and I let my thoughts wander. And that immediately creates freedom because my best thoughts come to me my best plans, my best decisions are made when I have the freedom to do nothing, and that's that's huge because it's so counterintuitive to a culture of busyness, right? But find time where you can literally do not a thing, and that that's hugely freeing.
0: Yeah, that's so important. That's where the greatest ideas are born. Whenever you're slowing down and you just have time to think, um, you're not worrying about. Uh, where your kids are at, or you know your your next deposition, you just have some time to think. Whether that's meditating or just sitting in silence, um, that's where those great ideas are born, and that's where you kind of figure out who you really are.
2: Absolutely, totally.
0: Last but not least, how has passive income and becoming an entrepreneur made your life better?
2: Freedom, freedom to be creative, freedom to take risks. That's a big one freedom to structure my life around the things that bring me joy. And I know, I know it's going to sound antithetical. I get it. But I found the things that bring me joy and passive income allows me to structure around the thing that brings me joy. And the thing that brings me joy is that I pick up my kids from school every day and I get to listen to their chatter and their banter in the car. And then when we get home, I, I literally, I cook for dinner for them most nights and we have dinner together, and then they go to bed, that rhythm, those ceremonies in my life bring me a lot of joy. And the only way I've been able to access them and do them without feeling guilty, without feeling rushed, without feeling like I'm sacrificing something has been the fact that there is passive income that's taken care of me and giving me that freedom.
0: Perfect. It's the little things, right? And be able to take mm-hmm. the time to enjoy those experiences rather than just rushing through them, getting them done because you have to get them done, but actually living in the moment and being present and enjoying it.
2: That's it. I, that's 100%. That's exactly right. There, there, it, is, it is such a precious moment, those 30 minutes, because they're still live and they want to tell you about it. And then when they get home, they get quiet because they're tired. But hearing those little chatters in the back, it's wonderful.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Gigi, where can our listeners find out more about you?
2: So they can check out my website, livablelaw.com. And then uh, they can also check out my blog, which is geeklikeagirl.net.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it.
2: I am so grateful that you had me on here today. This was a wonderful conversation and it's always nice to see a survivor of big law firm (laughs) life doing something wonderful and fulfilling and useful and productive. So thank you so much for having me today.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Gigi. All right. Bring in the heat. Uh, go check out the livable law method. I'll drop her website and her materials and a link to her book in the show notes for this week. And look, with all the volatility in the stock market, I'm sure you've considered investing in real estate. And you've heard me talk about it a lot on this podcast. But if you're really unsure about how to get started, how to invest passively, or even asking the question, what really is a real estate syndication? Well, I've got something for you. I've been working on this for over a year. It's called Passive Income Pro. It's a four-week program guaranteed to give you the knowledge and the confidence that you need to invest in your first or your next passive real estate deal. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to get started. All right, kids.